0: you're listening to the Got Game University podcast. This podcast puts you in the classroom and lets you learn from some of the best hunters and callers in the woods. Hi, this is Taylor and Ryan with Got Game Tech. Got Game Tech is a software development company that builds mobile apps that teach hunters how to call and hunt different animals. Welcome everybody out to the got game university podcast this is the first episode of the whitetail tech series which we're going to be uh, working with steve stoltz on steve how you doing
1: i'm good taylor uh it's still pretty chilly here in the midwest uh <laughs> <laughs> i'm in southern iowa my home state and um my gosh it just like winter won't let go
0: uh still holding on for dear life
1: huh uh, i'm telling you i had to drive down to southern mississippi to get away from it and do some turkey hunting down there a few weeks ago so
0: yeah i understand you got her done down there right
1: i did and they and they weren't they were not cooperating they were not gobbling very good at all uh but it's just one of those just stuck with it hunted hard and struck one in the afternoon at about quarter after one and by 145 had it had them uh on the ground flopping with a load of apx's in the head
0: wow <laughs> Uh, that's awesome
1: the woodhaven custom calls uh, are incredible uh sounding uh, in their realism but uh, of course we're not doing turkey hunting in this podcast
0: yeah that's okay i imagine we'll have an opportunity to talk turkey hunting maybe on a future show but well, i'm happy for you that you're able to get a bird and uh today we wanted to give the listeners a little bit of insight into your background as a whitetail deer hunter steve and we'll talk about some some spring and summer tactics to prepare for the hunting season, and uh, then we'll talk a little bit about the Whitetail Tech app and some of the plans that we have for that. Uh, um, So maybe let's first start out, Steve, if you just want to introduce yourself and talk a little bit about your whitetail hunting resume, um, and then we'll kind of go from there.
1: Well, uh, you know, I I started bow hunting uh, as a child, um, just probably barely old enough to pull a bow back um as soon as i was uh, legal to buy an archery tag in the state of missouri grew up in missouri and <clears throat> started out shooting a an old ben pearson recurve wow yeah and uh, kind of learned the basic mechanics of of of, of uh, instinctive shooting uh killed my first uh just one or two i didn't i didn't hunt with the ben pearson uh, very long and then they came out with the compound bow so i killed my first couple gear with a bow with the ben pearson recurve cool um, you know instinctive shooting and i'm not i'm i am not going to lie to you i think i think one of the hits was a tremendously lucky neck hit <laughs> um, no you take
0: it when you can get it yeah <laughs>
1: yeah yeah um so then uh, moved to a, a compound when they come out with compound bows uh, when Allen first released their mm-hmm. first, uh, first compound bow. And I did not get an Allen. Um, I did get, however, uh, the first bear, bear archery company bow called the whitetail, I think it was the, I think it was white whitetail hunter. Okay. Um, so the bear whitetail hunter. And that with that bow, I... I became oh of course a lot more accurate and started bow killing deer right I, um you know i was young and 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 learning the art of just trying to get one bow killed and trying to get one shot at the right shot angle and trying to uh, learn how to trail up on them and um but i had a great state to learn that at in in missouri right missouri's Missouri's loaded with white tails.
2: hmm
1: Um and just continued bow hunting. I, you know, got a local archery club. Uh actually the name of the club, South County Archers, uh, in South St. Louis County, Missouri. And uh got involved with organized archery, got involved with uh the club, it became probably did. I did every job in the in the club from range captain all the way up to president. Um I think at the time, I became president of South County Archers. I was the youngest president that they had ever had. Oh, cool. Um, or probably my early 20s. Mm-hmm. Uh, at any rate, just, I think, getting involved with people that knew what they were doing, could watch you shoot and pick out what you're doing wrong, um, helped me evolve into becoming a, a competition archery shooter. and Okay. Uh, start shooting Tournaments with friends that were very competitive and very good started kind of climbing my way up to where I started actually placing and winning in tournaments, and a lot of people don't know that about me.
0: Uh, right now, I've worked with you for I don't know; it's been close to a year, and I didn't I didn't know that either. That's pretty cool.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. I had quite a quite a, a large collection of, of archery archery trophies uh, mm-hmm. uh, tournament places uh none huge or large i think the biggest thing i ever placed in was the state archery tournament and i think i placed in like a so they um they flight those systems Uh and so so i think i might have placed like in second or third flight in like second or third place that's okay Uh, (laughs) but nonetheless it means you did good yeah you know for what you were doing um I, you know, I, I progressed um, very slowly uh, archery hunting. What I mean by that, I, I was started steadily uh, becoming successful bow hunter as far as killing does, mm-hmm. small bucks.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: but it was a long time before I ever actually took a mature buck with my bow. And But that was okay because right. I went through that learning process that all archers need to do and all bow hunters need to do. Or even whitetail hunters. If you're not a bow hunter, if you're just, mm-hmm. a, you know, if you're hunting with gun or muzzle muzzleloader or whatever your weapon, uh, you have to you have to learn to crawl before you learn to walk.
0: Exactly. And
1: so that was my learning period uh, through my early years, and then, um, of course, became friends with Mark Drury uh, back in the '80s from our turkey calling and competing mm-hmm. in turkey calling championships. And then one year, actually it was 1989, I remember the year, Mark and Terry, his brother, asked me if I would join them in the first ever Drury Outdoor hunt. Um, And, of course, the rest is history. We we, we formed Drury Outdoors at the time. And, yes, I was an original cast member and member of Drury Outdoors, um, basically helped build that company, helped helped Mark and Terry bring it to the level it's at now um in the early years um i will take credit for that
2: yeah uh, you bet uh,
1: we we kind of decided as a business decision after doing several turkey videos we need we wanted to do whitetail and at that time my expertise was not none of our expertise was in taking mature whitetails
0: so interesting yeah
1: yeah so um We did several deer videos where we just basically shot any deer that came by, and they were successful on the rental market back when videos were the big thing. Was rental market? It was before you had digital media, before YouTube or anything anything like that, or television even, as Mm -hmm. far as as the
0: hunting shows.
1: Yeah, the hunting shows and the outdoor channels, Sportsman Pursuit. Mm -hmm. So none of that had evolved yet, and uh, one day I don't know when it was, uh, early 90s, I guess, uh, all of a sudden we decided, and I can't remember who made the decision, or we actually probably made the decision jointly to abandon shooting small bucks and start shooting just mature bucks and try and put together uh, a mature, wild, mature whitetail video uh, done 100% wild, 100% fair chase, not not mm-hmm. going to shoot, uh, because at that time, uh, there was a, a lot of companies, I'm not going to mention any names, but that were, that are doing most of their big, uh, big white tail uh, success was in pens. Those was,
0: high like, fence operations. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Very controlled.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And we, we just felt like we could do a top notch hunting, white tail hunting video uh, ourselves uh, in in the wild without having to go in a pen. Now. We we probably bit off more than we could chew at the time because we we none of us had really killed any big mature whitetails, um, but we were we were fortunate enough to meet uh, two guys by the name of Jay Gregory and Don Kiske,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and Jay and Don at very young age had already figured it out and had started killing some really great deer with their bow. And we kind of joined with them. We didn't actually start hunting with them where they were actually taking us out in the field, but right. they were giving us a lot of advice over the phone, mm-hmm. uh, what to do to clean up uh, clean up, getting shots at the smaller deer and getting shots at bigger deer. And it was, it was I'm not going to lie to you, it was a pretty simple change. And all it meant was passing the smaller ones up. Uh, maybe a little adjustment of where we were hunting as far
2: mm-hmm. as you
1: know paying more attention to wind direction um but you know passing those you know year and a half and two and a halfs up and 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 waiting for that three and a half to come by you know exactly uh, Yeah. so uh so you know we were hunting the right areas we just were not hunting we were using the wrong techniques to to take big deer mm-hmm. um, so as soon as we start applying what they you know, because we had a motivation. We wanted to we wanted to release a big whitetail video, so obviously our motivation was was business, and so we did what Jay and Don suggested, and lo and behold, start seeing bigger deer. And right. If if anybody watched the Drury films from the very beginning, they saw us learn how to take big tails on film. Uh, and what I mean by <laughs> that's us, cool. Gary, myself, and and the rest of the gang that were in the early years, uh, we, we learned right on film. I mean, what we were shooting, we were filming.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, um, you know, it, it, uh, Taylor, it took a few years to to get a big whitetail film released, which was the first ever Monster Bucks. Um, but, I mean, the rest is history. I mean, exactly. that, yeah, anybody yep. that knows any uh, most anything about, about big white tails and Television and filming know that the monster, original Monster Buck films were were kind of the the trendsetter for for uh, modern day big whitetail television and video.
0: Absolutely.
1: So so to to say that I guess I was a pi- pioneer in in the sport of filming big whitetails.
0: Right. Right. Excellent. So from uh, from Drury, then where'd you where'd you pivot from there, and when did you do that?
1: Well, you know, obviously I spent a long time with Mark and Terry, uh, Mm -hmm. and we brought the company to where uh, actually Bill Jordan had released uh, his Monster Buck series the same time, not knowing we were doing it. So somebody had to move off of it, and we we released three Monster Buck whitetail films, and then um, as a gentleman's agreement, we moved off the title. Bill Jordan with Realtree has kept it, and they've Mm -hmm. done very well with it. Right. Um, uh, we moved on to the Dream Season series and the Whitetail Madness series, you know, to go right. on with Mad Calls. Um, but before I move on to what, to me, mo- kind of moving on to my own stuff, uh, where, where I knew that we were doing something in the whitetail industry uh, came from uh, two of the top whitetail hunters, in my opinion, still today, uh known to mankind as far as taking big mature whitetails with archery equipment and with with um uh you know with with recurves and longbows
2: mm-hmm. uh,
1: they don't hunt with compound bows right that's gene, that's gene and barry Wenzel, and i'm sure you've heard their name you bet uh, yeah the icons in the whitetail world i mean just absolutely icons in fact when i was A very young uh, young man, I went uh, and paid, of course, to to go to one of their seminars and was in awe by the information I got from them, read all their books, all their material. But where I knew that I had actually or we had actually become that big in the whitetail world was when I got a letter. I actually got a letter from Gene and Barry Wentzel complimenting us on monster bucks one and two i believe and in their words was the very best trophy whitetail production in the that they'd ever seen
0: that um, is cool and very this is cool from,
1: this is from guys that that i went to to watch their seminar at
0: right um, you paid money to hear them teach I about hunting whitetails
1: them and 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 here they're sending us a letter thanking us keeping it true, keeping it 100% wild. They could tell all the kills on there were wild, right? Um, and and so that's that's kind of when I had a, the the really first, or we had the really first indication that we were on the right track, that we were doing the right thing as far as uh, ambassadors of the sport.
0: Exactly. And,
1: and uh, so. Uh, obviously, Drury began to grow, and I'm going to say, I don't say this very much uh, in, in the public, but I will admit this, and Mark and Terry will admit it as well. I left Drury Outdoors not because I wanted to leave or that they wanted me to leave. I left because my name was becoming branded with Drury Outdoors as well as Mark and Terry, as big as Mark and Terry's name. And they owned the company, and, and they wanted it to be Mark and Terry Drury, not Mark Drury, Terry Drury, and Steve Stoltz. And sure. so. You know, it sounds kind of cruel on their behalf, but it wasn't. Mm-hmm. It was a business decision that that they felt that uh, uh they, and they still actually at, they wanted me to be still a part of the Drury series. I just felt like I could do better out on my own. And then sure. they agreed. Mm-hmm. And so I ventured out on my own and started doing television and video on my own uh, with companies, became host of shows. And don't regret it a bit. I, I actually, as uh, far as. Uh, far as money in the industry, I was able to to do uh, much better than staying with uh, Mark and Perry.
0: Sure, sure. So there you have it. Yeah, well, that is awesome. That's uh, a long history, and in the process I imagine many, many quality whitetail bucks were taken, and I know I've seen seen some footage and, and pictures of some of your bucks in more recent years, and to consistently kill that quality whitetail. It's pretty impressive, Steve.
1: Well, and, 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 uh, you know, then we're not only, um, not only getting them killed, I'm getting them killed on film. Every, everything mm-hmm. I've shot since basically, uh, the early nineties when we started, uh, filming white hunts for Drury uh, outdoors. And then of course, consequently other shows such as Hunter Specialties and, and, uh, you know, Winchester whitetail revolution. And, and, and of course then ultimately my own show, which was Buckman TV mm-hmm. per- currently not airing right now, but we've got season three ready to go. We just got to find sponsors and somewhere to air it. Mm-hmm. But, um, everything's been on film, which then that difficulty factor is even, you know, uh, double, uh,
0: Oh, absolutely. So been, yeah. Needless uh-huh.
1: to say, there's been a lot of whitetails that I've let walk because of the camera. So, uh-huh. um, I, I, I often say, when I'm 58 years old now, Taylor, and, and, and to a lot of those listening right now, it's they're probably thinking, oh, what an old guy. But,
0: um, it's all relative.
1: It, 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 it's all relative. But um, I, I, I can honestly tell you I've probably been involved in as many uh, mature whitetail kills uh, on film, both behind camera or in front of camera. As uh, as almost anybody in the industry, besides mm-hmm. maybe uh, Mark Dury himself, of
2: course. Right, right. What
1: I call him the uh, uh, the Mad Professor.
0: <laughs> oh, that's awesome.
1: Yeah, there, well, in my opinion, there's no single person uh, in alive today in the industry or in anywhere that can consistently take super upper end deer on film than Mark Dury himself. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's just a compliment and he's just taken it to levels higher than I could ever expect to bring it. And that's, uh, simply because he's got the, of course, resources. It's his job. It's his business.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Uh, he's got the land to be able to manage and, uh, he's able to do it and more power to him. I think that's awesome. I'm not sure. I'm in awe with what those guys do on film.
0: Cool. Yeah, that's great. Well, let's, uh, let's shift our focus a little bit towards, uh, this time of year, Steve, uh, we've got our listeners. A lot of them are probably hunting turkeys or hunting bears. Um, but we want to talk about some tips and tactics for hunting whitetail. They're using this time of year to prepare to hunt whitetails in the fall and in the, you know, in the early winter. So what are some things that you're thinking about now that it's April, it's going to be May soon to help you gather information and prepare for the season?
1: Well, Taylor, there's there's none. There is no better time than the month of February, March, and April. So we're right on it. You're on it right now. If you have not done it up to this point, you gotta get out now before the start. The leaves start turning green and cover starts growing. Mm-hmm. To scour your property, you mm-hmm. have. This is the time to not worry about bumping mature bucks out. Don't worry about uh, your sanctuaries uh, going into them. Um, because of course, any piece of property, whether it's a hundred acres or a thousand acres, you should have a, a piece designated that you don't penetrate. Um, right. That's, that's that piece that, that good buck is going to, uh, seek, seek, uh, a sanctuary. Um, but you, you need to just put your boots on, get your walking boots on. If it's 10 degrees out, if it's zero out, if it's 30, 30 degrees out, wherever you're at. And just you know, start walking. Walk your drainages. Walk your deer trails. Walk your bedding areas. Walk your feed areas. Walk everywhere. Scour your property. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm not saying you have to cover every inch of it, but you need to try. Right. And 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 in a, in the process, you'll find sheds. Now, in regard to sheds, you probably should wait till most of them drop, which in in Iowa, it's not till about. Uh, Mid February to about the first of March. Okay. Or uh, by then you you'll have about 90% of your whitetails will have dropped their antlers. Um, you know, in other words, if you start a little too soon, you're going to go by areas that that the deer, you know, you're going to go through areas that deer haven't dropped yet.
0: Right. Right. Um, Miss some information. Yeah. Missed
1: some information. So I so you can see quickly, I'm not keying in on just finding sheds. And the reason why I'm not keying in on just finding sheds is finding shed is great. And it's great information and intel to, to tell you, number one, that buck is still alive,
2: mm-hmm. made it through the
1: hunting season. That's the biggest thing. And number two, where he's liking the hang. But but scouring a property is just as important because you're seeing trails and sign and rubs and sheds and maybe find some deer dead that were that you previously would not have known what happened to that deer, um, you're, 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 you're putting together, a, you're starting to paint a picture for the next year just by these scouring your property uh, uh, trips out um, in regard to how they were moving, what trails they were using, uh, what defined doe trails you have, what defined buck trails you have where the bucks have been, had been bedding, um, you know, where your primary uh, food source sources are, which by the way, you'll find most of your sheds in or near those areas. Mm-hmm. Um, and that you start developing a little bit of a game plan and a little fine, more finer tune uh, of your hunt area, whether it's a new area or an uh, established area that you've been hunting for years, you always find out new information when you walk your farms uh, during this time of year. Right. Um, I mean, it, it just, it, I'll guarantee you, you will find one or two new tree stand spots. You will find one or two new uh, easy to access, what I call easy to access spots that are hard to find.
2: Mm-hmm. And those
1: are, those are those spots that you can access from a field or from a ditch and get in and out of them on the right wind without being detected. Nope. Right. Right. Those tree stand sites are hard to find, and uh, this is the time of year to get out and try and find them before the cover gets on. Right. So so there's a lot of things you can be doing. The other thing is, a lot of people don't think of this. I leave my trail cameras out until this time of year. I do not pull my tree, tree uh, did I say tree cameras? No,
0: you said trail cameras. Trail cameras.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I do not. Sorry, I'm getting old.
0: Oh, um, it's all good.
1: I will not pull those trail cameras until right now. Till
2: mm-hmm. uh,
1: I actually just recently pulled. I I've got a lease that I, I lease is 280 acres, and I had 11 cameras running on it, Taylor. And I did not pull those cameras until the last couple weeks. So here, wow. you know, here mid March uh, to to uh, early April. And the reason why is because those those deer carry their antlers all the way till about. Uh, like I said, March or early April, and I'm still getting intel all the time. I'm still getting deer show back up that disappeared during the rut, but now I know they're still alive. Right. Um, so just as I think just as important as shed hunting is keeping those trail cameras going until it starts greening up right i know that sounds crazy but
0: well that's a good suggestion and something that folks may not initially think about you know they finish up their seasons and and start pulling those trail cameras rather than waiting until now
1: remember this it, trail cameras are is a better tool for keeping inventory than any other single thing you can use the trail camera for and and um a lot of people want to throw a trail camera up and you know three days later check it and they see a buck on it, you know, immediately tells tell them they need to be hunting there. <clears throat> well, the reality of it is, uh, the the intel that you gather from trail cameras over long longer periods of time develop a better picture about how to kill that buck.
0: Mm-hmm. Totally makes sense.
1: Yeah. Yes.
0: So are you seeing differences in patterns in the winter, in the summer, and the fall? Uh that you want to take into account based, you know, to kind of factor in when you're analyzing the deer behavior or are they fairly consistent regardless of the season?
1: Well, uh, what what I do notice uh, is they're fairly consistent about nine months out of the year or maybe eight months out of the year. But, but that period when it starts getting into October, November, December, here in the Midwest, you know the rut.
0: The rut, yep.
1: You know what we define as a rut. That's when they become inconsistent, and that's mm-hmm. where deer start disappearing. One of the most common things I always hear is that, uh, it, you know, and I'll always hear it. See, we just went through show season. In fact, I still have one more store promotion for Woodhaven that I have to do this Saturday in St. Charles, Missouri, at Bass Okay. Grove. I'll be there from 10 a.m. to 2. PM. Of course, this podcast will probably broadcast after that. But um, uh, show season, Taylor, uh, I, I hear a lot when people start talking about whitetails, a lot of this buck and that buck, they disappeared. They disappeared.
2: Disappear. Uh-huh.
1: Well, they may have disappeared for during the rut, went and bred somewhere else or found a different doe group. But a lot of them, and I find from keeping these trail cameras out, actually return for the the for winter feed and, 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 and to spend our time the rest of the year. So,
0: yep. So again, if you I'm, tra- take your cameras down too soon, you may not know that. Yeah. You may not figure that correct.
1: out. That's uh-huh. correct. And, and then, and then you rely on, so then you have to rely on, are they still alive, uh, starting in, uh, July and August when you put those trail cameras back up on your mineral licks and and feed stations if it's legal to to, uh to put up feed to take pictures in your state um you you have to start relying on basically summer trail cam pictures of what survived you know and, and that can be a little bit of a stretch and sometimes you miss some of that information so um i i just i just keep the trail cameras up as long as i possibly can i try and shed hunt as much as i can but i i will i will i will tell you my weakest uh if i have an achilles uh heel uh, as far as uh, a weak part of my yearly program with big whitetails it is this time of year uh, and it is shed hunting and the reason Mm -hmm. why is because i'm busy going to turkey calling championships i'm busy working of course still i'm busy doing shows for like woodhaven and mossy oak of course, you have the National Wild Turkey Federation Convention and that's um, a big show, but what I defined as show season also keeps me out of the woods.
0: <laughs> yep, yep. so so tough uh, to be everywhere at once.
1: you it's tough to be at five places at once. so my my biggest weakness is I don't find a lot of sheds mm-hmm. and and, and it, it it I hate it. I hate that because I know the importance of finding those sheds um but uh, a combination of two factors affect my shed hunting one is the show season and two is um my my lease is more deer bedding than it is deer feed uh the feed the feed is all on the neighbors uh, as far as the destination f- food sources so the i don't find a ton of sheds on my particular lease because i have more of the bedding and the security cover
0: Right. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, I, I still think it, it shows that there's other ways to gather intel um, t- to still have a good season when you're out hunting them.
1: Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. And, and let's talk about now that we're on that subject. Let, let's let talk about how I do find a majority of them, my sheds. Mm-hmm. First off, you want to you, you want to concentrate on their on their winter food source, where they're spending the most time in January, February, March. Um in particular, where they're like, and not only where they're actually feeding, because you'll find antlers right out and say like cut beans or uh, hay field or, or anywhere that you can where the you know the 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 underground or the field uh, surface is, is low or down to dirt.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: so you see those sheds stick out pretty easy, and uh, the actual in the actual food plot or destination food source uh, cut corn, uh, like I said, any kind of cut grain, but primarily where they like to bed up right off that food source. Um, I know in Iowa where I live, it, it's, uh, it's very common to find sheds, um, in grassy areas on a, on the South facing hillside or, Mm -hmm. uh, edge of, of the feed and that's where the sun beats down the longest throughout the day so that area of the ground will be warmer to them so that's where a buck is going to go lay down to chew his cud mm-hmm. after, feeding, after feeding you know most of the night um so they're going to lay down in those warmer grassier spots um and you'll find a lot of sheds in those trails leading out of the feed Uh, You'll find sheds in the actual beds where they're laying down to chew their cud. Um, Look under even cedar trees, things like that, where they'll get out from the weather if it's real, real bad weather. um, And they'll drop sheds under those. Um, So there are areas uh, that you can, you know, kind of increase your chances of finding sheds um, as opposed to uh, just basically kind of just walking in circles and hope you see one
0: you know right right have a little Uh, method to the madness
1: fence jumps where they like where they jump fences i always check uh you can walk your drainages um if possible your creek drainages in particular where they cross creeks they'll that that jump and that jolt where they hop across a creek will uh, have they'll drop sheds a lot there again you won't find those sheds as consistent as uh near that destination food source that they're keyed in on
0: right once you've covered the food source area then those are some good places to branch out
1: right right uh now uh some may ask how do you put that shed hunting to use as far as getting a deer killed well the number one way to get a big mature whitetail killed is to know he's there mm-hmm. um, so that shed is going to tell you, boom, he's there and boom, he's spending a lot of time there. Um, so then it comes down to where is your sign uh, in in close proximity to where you found the shed? Mm-hmm. Uh, where are you, Where are your uh, pinch points? Where are your funnels? Where are your areas that you may concentrate about thinking about hanging a tree stand? Doesn't mean you got to have, have to hang a tree stand right where you found the shed um but if you if you uh, scour the general area and you find big huge rubs you know uh little deer don't make big rubs only big deer make big rubs right um so the chances are good in that general area you found that shed where you see your big sign nearest place you see your big sign you need to be looking to hang a tree stand in that travel corridor or that pinch point or that rut funnel and just know that, number one, he's still alive, and number two, during the right time of the year and the right wind, uh, you could get that deer killed right in that very travel corridor.
0: Awesome. Yeah, that's really helpful, Steve. Thanks for sharing that.
1: You're welcome. I, um, I had to get a drink, cause <laughs> but uh, I, I, I can't stress enough. How important um, postseason scouting is to your to your I I I am telling you I I'm 58 years old and every time I postseason scout my farm which by the way I was fortunate enough to get out and shed hunt this year and scour my farm in between the shows mm-hmm. and I learned a lot I did not find a lot of sheds because there was a skiff of snow on the ground still mm-hmm. at, at my Iowa farm that. Kept me from being able to even see the sheds very well. Um, I did find a couple, uh, and found one dead buck that I call uh, Goldpost. I thought I killed Goldpost on January 9th. It turned out that I, I, actually shot a buck that was very similar to Goldpost.
2: Okay. But unfor-
1: unfortunately, I I I found Goldpost dead against my east fence. Um, but uh, you know that ended the chapter to to that story. Uh, where I knew what happened to him, and I don't exactly. know what I don't know what took him down. He was a big gargantuan eight point, um probably pushing a one fifty mark, uh with great big long eight or nine inch G ones. Wow. Uh, yeah, I, you know, and that uh, that's that's why I call him Gold Post because his brow tines mm-hmm. look
0: like Gold Post. Yeah. <laughs> but
1: I mean, that's one deer that's gone and won't be there for next year. But at least I know what happened to him.
0: Exactly. And, yeah.
1: And, And the good news is because I waited to pull all my trail cameras till here recently, I've got probably just on that 280 acres, probably close to a dozen big mature deer on that, on that, on that farm. And I, it sounds like a high number and it is uh, that if they're all there this next fall uh, I'm going to have probably anywhere from six to eight uh, upper end deer on, on the place. It's, it's just, and, you know, for that one dead deer I did find that won't will no longer be there, I found a bunch that on my trail cameras that that will be there uh, alive and well.
0: Man, that's fantastic. That's going to be a fun year.
1: It's the circle of life, Taylor.
0: Yep. Yep. <laughs> no, that's good. Well, Steve, we're uh, we're approaching the sort of our target time for these podcasts. We like to keep them kind of at a half an hour or so length to give listeners some good information, but not You know, not make it too hard to, uh, uh, you know, to fit into a a commute or a, you know, taking the kids to to practice or something like that. But before we wrap up, um, I did want to talk with you a little bit about the the Whitetail Tech app that our company is partnered with you in developing, and some of the some of the content that we're planning on adding to the app. Uh, For listeners, the Whitetail Tech app is currently free on the App Store and the Play Store and it's not always going to be going to be free, but you know, we're gathering feedback from people about some of the basic content that's on there. Uh, but we also have a ton of, of content that we've already captured Steve from you that we're going to be pulling in there and, um, trying to provide some, some more timely information as well as, uh, folks get out and about and, and, uh, start prepping for the hunting season in, in earnest.
1: Yeah. I, 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 I'm looking forward to, uh, kind of going a little more real time with it as we, uh, progress and doing, um, of course, uh, updated tips and updated, uh, field information. Um, I would like to uh, eventually get to where, um, I'll give, uh, my, my theory on how the rut will
2: will mm-hmm. be for that,
1: for that year. Um, uh, and especially for the Midwest, uh, um, I'll give my theories on um, you know so much more information than what's on there what what's on there right now and what you see if you go to uh, and 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 load the whitetail tech app on your phone is is just a just a teaser in my opinion of of the amount of information that we're eventually gonna gonna provide to you by purchasing whitetail tech
0: absolutely what, yep what absolutely I
1: envision what I envision Taylor and and, and correct me if I'm wrong. I envision Whitetail Texts app to be uh, your ability to take my brain with you out in the woods and and, mm-hmm. and 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 study it. What I've learned in 58 years of big whitetail hunting um, and and my success in the field. My, it's my theories. It's my angle. They may not be completely accurate for where the people hunt themselves, but I I will promise you. Uh, it'll it'll help make uh anybody that listens and and will, willing to learn uh and watch and 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 keep keep updated with the app uh it'll make you a better uh white tail hunter and a better uh uh more successful with mature white tails
0: yep absolutely that's definitely the goal we want to help folks gain more information in a platform that they're familiar with in this day and age and be able to take advantage of um, the accessibility of that information. So to all the folks that are listening, we just encourage you to go get the Whitetail Tech app now and, and uh, kind of get a feel for the basic framework, but then also to stay tuned over the next few months as we continue to grow that app and, and put more information on it. It's, it's exciting. It's going to be cool.
1: I'm I'm really really looking forward to it. Uh, and and get that app now while while it's free and and l- learn what's on there loaded on there now. There's a lot of calling techniques and my thoughts and 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 thought angles about calling and getting deer uh, calling deer in with grunt calls and rattling, um, and the different whitetail sounds. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's just one aspect of it that we've got on that whitetail tech app and as we progress um it's just going to be continuously loaded with with information that's going to help you become a better whitetail hunter
0: definitely well awesome steve well it's been a great conversation we're uh we're going to keep this whitetail tech series going on the podcast and we'll uh keep churning these out uh and the frequency will increase as we get closer to whitetail season but sure appreciate your time today and the insight that you've shared with our
1: listeners well thank you and and uh yeah stay tuned we got much more coming up next time we do a podcast pending, on we will cover the next phase maybe after shed hunting what what a what the hunter needs to do to put himself uh, put put themselves in a the better position to take take that big white tail that they're targeting.
0: Perfect. That sounds great. All right, well, we'll look forward to talking to you then. Thanks, Steve. All right, Taylor, thank you.